Welcome to the 100th episode of the Life Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. In celebration of this milestone achievement, which is both personal and professional, and the generous time and commitment of the inspiring and accomplished guests I've had the pleasure of speaking to over the last three years, who've shared their stories, the challenges they've overcome, their wins and career success. These next few episodes will include a montage of some of the key highlights and takeaways for you. This is the final episode of our montage series, combining some of the key highlights from our guest interviews. Enjoy listening and do let me know your favorite soundbite or episode. See you next time. what I can do for me and it's so important that we take responsibility of our own lives and don't allow others to dictate where we end up that's the big thing for me it's only when you take responsibility for your own life that you would discover when you discover how powerful you are that's my my philosophy um I met you know some incredible people who have taken on um that philosophy philosophy for their own lives and they took control of their life. They, they worked hard, they inspired others. And they're, ex, you know, I, from what I can see, they're doing extremely well. And from, from my perspective, I think, I, um, I do believe that when you take time and focus on what you want to achieve, you know, we talk about it all the time, satellite navigation system where you put in the plots of where you want to go to and sometimes yes you can hit road roadblocks but the good thing about the sat nav it will take you alternative routes and I think that's one of the big things for me is where we have to take control we have to and whether that's in inclusion and diversity whether that's just you know anyone in their walks of life you have to take control take responsibility of your own life and, and don't allow others to dictate where you end up. Authenticity is very much a um, performative thing. So it's, it's about how people perceive you. Oh, she's authentic. Am I, oh, I'm the best judge if I'm authentic or not, yeah? But I might be different uh, authentic self maybe elsewhere. So, but for the lack of a better word, I will use the word authenticity. I thought by toning, by toning part of me down, by being quieter, but by maybe not speaking my mind as much, um, I was adapting. I was most certainly a quiet observer and that really serves me well, but wouldn't serve me well in the long run. And so ultimately it ended up being a bit of an empty experience. I, I found myself for the first time in my life having having everything, I threw myself at work. So pretty much I, I flourished at work. Everything was, was, was good, but suddenly there was this sense of emptiness that I really couldn't describe. And then, and now it's a continuous um, inner work I'm doing and self-growth and, and I'm spiritual myself. And it inevitably merged uh, to the point, these two works merged to a point where I was like, ah, like, I have, I have suppressed an important part of me 
that didn't show up at work or in my new environment with my new people, my new friends, that's actually quite crucial. That probably does make me happy. Um, and I think that was, uh, that lesson had to be learned. It was the hard way, but it had to be learned. And then I had to learn how to bring back that, um, that moral testing self, that, that Milena that speaks with her hands, that Milena that's louder than, than usual and, and questions everything. And it felt so much more comfortable. And I felt people then accepted me even more rather than what I all had in my head before. So um, yeah, I think that that was, that was a good lesson, good experience. In terms of a job versus career, like I want to be like in any role that I do, I want to, when I get out of bed, I want to kind of be like so excited to go into work because I'm just like, oh, this is what I'm going to do today or this is how I can change something. For me, that gives me that motivation to get me out of bed. In terms of career, especially in technology, you can go into different areas of technology. Like um, I'm currently more in a support role and I'm looking more to doing something like service design or more kind of a project management type of role, just because I'm quite process driven. But my other interests, like I love stuff to do with AI. I love stuff to do with even cybersecurity because that's also cybersecurity. Thinking about now, that's also another link towards like the army because then I've been defense and um, intelligence and things like that and so um that's where that drive is that way but yeah in technology you could get is so diverse and even like let's say for instance I used to be quite creative where I used to draw like cartoons that I remember in my design and technology classes I used to like drawing like Hello Kitty and the Simpsons and then uh, one day I drew like a dolphin underwater with starfishes and things like that but it's kind of I stopped doing that many years ago so I don't even know what I could draw now but um yeah it's kind of like it's so diverse and in terms of job for me um it's not about title I want to come into work and make a difference and make that change um and even there's been times in the last few years where I could have actually gone into a more managerial role if I wanted but I've always kind of stopped and said no and it's not because I don't want to manage others I'd rather kind of be in a specific role or more of a lead role or help with a project but then as I'm doing it I want to like coach and mentor people and because I feel find that's more fulfilling. So so from a personal brand perspective I know that there are a lot of people who talk about personal branding right and I, I think that it's the same as you know if if you go and shop for something, if you know the brand, you're more lenient to purchase that, whatever it might be, rather than an unknown brand that you, you don't know what they represent or if the quality is even good, right? Um, and I think the same applies to companies and to people because their brand and how you show up is important and you need to have a consistent brand. You know, it's not a, your Panice shows up as this type of, this version of herself at work and then shows up online on LinkedIn as, as this other version of herself, right? That is not a consistent brand. And to be able to build your brand, I believe, at least for me, it was understanding who I am, what my um, values are, 
what my mission is, what my goal is in life and what my purpose is, right? It goes back to that um, knowing your why and tying, you know, your what and your how to your why from a personal brand perspective. And I've done a lot of work and I um, thank my coach for that because she really guided me through it. But it is important how you show up every day and how you build that brand and to be consistent with your brand. Because having a consistent brand over time, build that trust with people. And those people could be your colleagues, could be your family, could be your customers, could be anybody, you know, you, you might not even know them, but they know you. The next step that I that I have taken was to take the difficult road, which was stepping on stage. So what we've done is that we sent out a calendar invite to the whole of London office, and uh, we just told them, "Hey, we're gonna be uh, we're doing a presentation for an hour, and it's gonna be around mentorship. Veronica will be presenting. Uh, here is some free free lunch, which always helps. But um, but what we, what I've done was stepping on stage and telling people why that was important, and that is somehow making some noise, but in a way that's a lot more powerful." Because what happened after that is that we had mentors coming forward. And of course, with the, with the mentors, that's how you get started and create a mentoring program. But what happens from there is that it was not necessarily me going to every, knocking at every door and telling every leader, please listen to me, please listen. I've got a great idea. You need to listen to what I've got to say. But it was very much like people would talk about it. So there was like the network effect again. So people would be um, remembering that I that I talked about mentorship, remember remembering that this program got started in London. So they started taking some ownership. I do want to help. And so I'm going to come forward and sign up. So the 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 whole process of getting Expedia to adopt the mentoring program was very much around uh, going going through the dif difficult road in a way. So instead of thinking again, I'm entitled to this, I've got the idea and I want to be the head of mentoring. It was very much like, let me show you how this is valuable to your business. Now, this is the gap, and here is how we're going to solve it. And all of these skills, I learned them along the way. Like, I've never done strategy before. I've never found myself building a product before. Um, I knew about, uh, about working in a global company and cultural differences, but there is so much that you find out, especially when your specialty is human beings. So how do they operate? How do they help one another? Why is it easier in London than it is perhaps in Italy where I'm from? So there is a lot to be discovered and a lot of these skills I did not have at all when I started. Uh, and I didn't pretend to have them either. I learned them on the way. I asked people who knew more. I found mentors in the field. And one step at a time, I ended up talking and pitching um, my business case to the CEO, which was one of the biggest things and most important moments of my career. No one's going to do it for you, right? My manager said, I'll do what I can. Um, he did do what he could, um, but he's not going to hand the job to you. And at the end of the day, nobody knows me, right? The only people that knew me was one of the account managers that I worked with and a couple of sales reps um, uh, who ended up becoming executives of that company later on. But like, I, I was like, I need to get in front of these people and really understand and, and you know, stand out because I'm not, I'm not even in the country. Like I, I can't fly to the office and do the interview in person. 
um, and they did it over the phone. It was before Zoom, um, and I think they bothered with Skype either. Um, so we just ended up. Um, I just had to like put myself out there, and I think that's, I think that's half the battle um, in in this world in regards to um, people trying to get promotions and and get the job that they want and in companies they want. Um, you really have to kind of get in front of those people and be top of mind. Because if you're not going to do that, you're just another number. You're just another candidate in that in that world. Um, and, you know, it can be very fortunate that you have people that, that back you and support you and put in a good word for you, um, which is great. But you have to kind of back that up as well and, and show up and say, hey, um, at the end of the day, uh, I, I want that role. I'm going to go and get it. And I need to make sure that everybody can see that I am um, who I am and I can I can deliver something for that team. I think, uh, you know, generally um, women in tech that I've spoken to most have three main barriers, right? One is the lack of mentors. And the second one is lack of female role models in this field. And the third one being unequal growth opportunities. But to be honest, I've been extremely lucky in all three aspects. I've had excellent mentors throughout in my past and present jobs and also who are very committed to set me up for success. And um, I've, I've, I've also been working with wonderful female role models who day in and day out in the current project and in the company that I'm working right now who are highly committed, committed to diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And, it's also not always about mentoring, right? It's also about the amount of freedom that you give to the female colleagues in the team, which I think whenever I've had creative ideas um, my, in my past jobs, I've always had space to you know, express them. And when I was working with Rolls-Royce, which was definitely you know, dominated by male engineers and aerospace, generally from that perspective, I think being uh, sort of only female in the meetings that you enter, it, it was very important for me to speak up on the ideas that I own and, you know, to sort of take that to next level. So I think uh, it's it's both sides, you know, barriers are within myself and also externally. Externally, I've been extremely lucky to have had such mentors and colleagues who always pull me up. And internally, when I speak about speaking up, like during initial days of my career, I used to be extremely shy. I think I've overcome that now because the psychological safety that my team gives me is, is definitely hugely valuable, yeah. Right now, we're talking about social capital, your social bank, okay? And the fact that we're tying it to the world social. Now, networking is great for career building, great for career development. It involves building your social capital. And to do that, one needs to network proactively. Okay, to improve one's brand. Now, you can't really talk about networking without talking about branding, but I'll keep branding for now. I'll keep branding for now. It's worth mentioning anyway that obviously your brand plays a key role in your career progression. Yeah. And one of the key things to cultivate one's brand or to harness one's brand is networking. When you think of brand, it is who you know, it's no longer who you know, it is who knows you, your relationships, your social capital. What are you known for? 
your reputation and how do people experience you? So sometimes this, you know, buzzwords can actually come across as buzzwords, but in real, in, in, in reality, they are terms, or should I say things that we need to pay attention to when it comes to our career development and career goals. So we cannot talk about branding, like I said, without touching a network. And because we care about our brands, then we need to increase our social capital. We need to increase our networks. We need to build deep relationships. Deep relationships, which not only improves you know, our social capital. So I'm using the word social capital interchangeably for the word networking so that maybe that way it can connect with somebody and then it can help someone to extrapolate as to, oh my goodness, networking is actually my social capital. Yeah, there are so many values that are like, that's unique only for me. And I am unique because of the combination of these values. So this is, I would say this is, this four or five months of a job searching is also a so searching process because I get to identify who I really am, what it is that's important to me, what is the type of job that I want, what type of uh, work environment teams I want to be in. And uh, I wrote the, them down like in paper, like in a physical paper. And then I look at them every day and I try to visualize myself um, already there, already being in that perfect job, already being the person that I want to be. And actually it's true. Like it's, of course there are, there are things we need to work on like step-by-step, step, but also what's important is also to embody the person that you wanna be. And um, just to feel what it is to already be, um, to already get that job or to already get to that goal. Like maybe it is a goal that, you know, thinking about the fact that I will be working in an international environment, that's something very exciting for me. And I will be working with many people, helping different colleagues, helping different teams and so on. So that bring me, brings me joy. And, you know, just to visualize that feeling and, um, you know, to think about it every day and also to think about that I was using uh, my uniqueness to support people and to really help them become the best of themselves. That's just, yeah, you know, I, I think that's also um, a way that can bring us a step closer to what it is that we really, really want and who we really want to be. So, yeah, I think it's really, you know, it's it's not so much about like, oh, well, I find a job in three months or well, I find a job in five months, but it's that you become, and you don't have to wait for anyone or anything to validate you, but you decide at the moment that you want to become the best version of yourself and you be that. And then when you are that embodiment, whatever that's, that's in the same frequency of that version of yourself, they will be attracted to you. And that third culture is a culture of the Alliance. Right. 
right. and that will have some really important things around it. It'll have some principles and some norms around how we're going to behave with each other, how we're going to uh, communicate with each other, how we're going to treat each other, how we're going to respect each other. Yeah, mm -hmm. we start to create that culture of working together, which is what we call the third culture. And I think that's really, really important how you do that. Um, but you also need to be mindful that the that if your if your own company culture is non-collaborative, right? You're mm -hmm. going to struggle. You're going to struggle because it comes back to the internal piece again. Yeah. So uh, so I would say one of the things that needs to happen is your if your if your company is really serious about partnering and alliances, its own culture is going to have to change. Yeah, and it's going to the culture is going to have to move from a control-based culture, which is normal for businesses, mm -hmm. to a trust-based culture. Yeah? Right. And that's going to need to happen. So moving from controlling to trust. Yeah. I mean, it's normal for businesses to say, I want to control it, right? It's it's a control-based culture, but they need to be moved to a trust-based culture. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I know that there's a particular CEO that my alliance partner knows very, very well, um it's it's um it's a it's a company that's not small in any way shape or form but uh he lives and breathes uh, you know having a collaborative culture right throughout his organization everything that he does is collaborative and he mm -hmm. he, he instills that in, in the entire business and as a result that company does extremely well in its partnering activities right mm -hmm. so there is a there is a very positive knock-on effect from that perspective Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.